Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, an award-winning author discusses the most fascinating, terrifying, mystifying, amazing things that have occurred in recent times on planet Earth. Is there an actual Twilight Zone? Are there real X-Files? And might it be a spiritual war cry? I think we're talking about, in many of these cases, metadimensional phenomena as opposed to something that's physical or physiological, but also just the oddest things around the world, whether it's the strange number 11 that a lot of people seem to think uh, shows up at apropos and sometimes bizarre times, or, or whether it's, it's just the oddest coincidences that I could find, really extraordinary stuff that goes beyond really ready explanation. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday, and greetings once again from Verga in southern Greece. Michael Harold Brown, the editor of SpiritDaily.com and author of Lying Wonders, Strangest Things, is standing by to discuss everything from a boy who vanished into thin air in front of witnesses to amazing coincidences and prophecies and much more. Now, August is ticking by quickly, and soon it'll be time for Occulticon 2019, and I'll be speaking at this unique outdoor event up in Gray County, northwest of Toronto, at the fabulous Mythwood Campgrounds. It runs September 13th to the 15th, and I'll be presenting on Saturday the 14th. Scott McClellan will be there to perform his unbelievable paranormal show. Steve Santini will be displaying his amazing collection of artifacts from the Titanic. Ufologist Victor Vigiani and Christian Cadieu from Paranormal Contractors, just to name a few. For more information or to order tickets, go to occulticon.com, O-C-C-U-L-T-I-C-O-N, O-C-C-U-L-T-I-C-O-N, occulticon.com or you can visit my website strangeplanet.ca and click on the events and live appearances button occulticon 2019 don't miss it you know we live at a time of unprecedented supernatural phenomena a boy disappears into thin air time and again rock and roll stars encounter ufos a woman is tortured by two invisible entities Certain of the accounts may be mere oddities, truly the strangest things in God's mysterious creation. But just as often, they're glimpses of what Christians call lying wonders, a spiritual invasion. What do Bigfoot and UFOs have in common? And lake monsters? What about curses? Are there ones that changed history? Could there really be a doll that texts this credible and yet incredible collection? of the most fantastic factual accounts gathered during the past five decades by nationally known journalist Michael H. Brown shows, as a philosopher named J.B.S. Haldane once put it, that the universe in which we reside is not only stranger than we imagine, but stranger than we can imagine. Michael H. Brown is the author of 29 books, known initially for his groundbreaking reportage on the Love Canal toxic crisis 
He's penned books on everything from the mafia to the search for the first anatomically modern human woman using DNA. Since 1991, he's written Christian books, including best-selling The Final Hour, The Other Side, and Laying Waste. In his days as a journalist, his work appeared in magazines such as The New York Times Magazine, The Atlantic Monthly, Reader's Digest in New York, and he appeared on shows such as Today, Nightline, Phil Donahue, Joan Rivers, Sally Jesse Raphael, TBN, and Coast to Coast with Art Bell. Michael Harold Brown, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Um, pretty well, thank you for having me. This is quite a collection of uh, oddities, strange stories, supernatural, paranormal. How does one decide, or how do you decide, what, how do you winnow it down? What gets in, what doesn't make the cut? Very hard, because I had to leave a lot on the wayside. And uh, it, it, you just look and you say, you know, what are the stories that people actually, that won't be able to put down? And I think, uh, hopefully, that that's what we've accomplished here with uh, Lying Wonders and Strangest Things. And, and talk to me about the efforts that you made to verify as best you could the veracity of these stories. Well, and in each chapter, like I said, there's more than 60, I try to make you know, personal contact where possible. Sometimes it's not possible. And of course, you know, checking on the veracity of every single thing in these stories is, would be impossible even for an investigative team from you know, a major, major news, news uh, organization. Um, but, you, you know, after a while, I've been a, a journalist since the mid-1970s, and I do my best to kind of, you know, look at the details, uh, look at several different sources. My, the notes section in this book is extensive. Yes. And, uh, the, you know, the, uh, uh, the references, and uh, then make a determination. It's kind of what we do no matter what the story is about. In the preface of the book, you talk about uh, ex- we are experiencing a full-scale assault, a spiritual invasion. Let's drill down on that a little bit. What do you mean? Well, I'm I'm Christian, and I believe that uh, that there is a conspiracy, but it's a supernatural conspiracy from spiritual realms. That, frankly, the mainstream media is is letting into the living rooms of everyone watching TV, and of course, it's all over the inter- internet. Uh, is uh, whether it's Yetis, uh, abominable snowmen, whether it's uh, UFOs, a lot of emphasis on that, whether it's lake monsters, whatever the case, that a lot of these are what uh, uh, what some Christians uh, consider lying wonders. And certainly there are aspects to all of these that are, have hidden links, and I believe that they are invading our realm right now. The darker things get out there, whether it's politically sociologically or spiritually, then the more you're seeing these things manifest themselves. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, that's basically what I mean by an, inc- an incursion into our reality. I think we're talking about, in many of these, these cases, uh, metadimensional phenomena as opposed to something that's physical or physiological. Um, and it's not only that, it's not only, the, not only the supernatural or the alleged extraterrestrial that I deal with in this book, but also just the oddest things around the world, whether it's the strange number 11 that a lot of people seem to think uh, shows up at 
at uh, apropos and, and, and sometimes bizarre uh, times, or, or whether it's it's just the oddest coincidences uh, that I could find, really extraordinary stuff that goes beyond really ready explanation. So uh, there's a panoply. There's a, there's a, I, I'm at a range of, of items in this book uh, seeking to expand upon a 1950s bestseller that was called Stranger Than Science. This yes. one, of course, strangest of all. Indeed. Uh, well, let's start with something very strange uh, right out of the gate. And this was a story I'm not familiar with. Uh, I, I've covered, you know, vanishings and strange disappearances and so forth. But this one in Manila, my word, I've never, I've never heard about this story. Share with our, our listeners about this, the curious case of this young boy who keeps vanishing and reappearing. Yeah, that was Cornelio Plaza Jr. in 1952. He was 13 years old at the time, and started out, he was walking with a friend uh, across a large field. Uh, I think they were on their way home from school in Manila, as you mentioned, when he he suddenly uh, started, started to point to a spot in front of a, a wall in the near distance. And, um, you know, I halted, and his eyes, uh, as his friend described, were coming out of out of his head because he said he was seeing the apparition of this uh, girl, beautiful girl, in long white dress uh, beckoning him. And, uh, and he headed over towards it. And immediately afterwards, his disposition, his personality, took a radical change. He became uh, hostile, combative, getting in fights at school. He was never like that. And uh, acting, snarling at his father like an animal, like somebody who uh, is possessed for lack of a better uh, term. And, and then it became stranger still when he began in front of witnesses, whether it was his parents, siblings, whether it was an entire classroom, including the teacher, whether it was a local evangelical minister called to the saint, uh, on, on occasion vanishing before their eyes, disappearing, were no longer in sight and, and gone sometimes for hours. Um, so, you know, when you, when you have that many people testify, you have to say, gee, you know, it's, uh, it's the realm of the spiritual, the, the realm of all of these types of things can, can be very strange indeed, and, and, and uh, I guess this is one, one extreme, one extreme example of that. Well, one of the witnesses, in fact, as you point out, was one of his teachers who had a complete mental breakdown after witnessing this and had to resign her post. That's right. I was a teacher, and when it occurred in front of, uh, I believe it was, uh, I, I could be wrong on this detail, I think it was 32 students who saw this. And, you know, it was no collective hallucination. Uh, this also happened when a minister was holding the boy. All of a sudden, he was just gone. But... After going to a deliverance service um, by a, a, a well-known evangelical missionary, um, these things not only stopped, but that, that girl he had been seeing, that apparition, turned into a kind of a monstrous creature. And so I think for those who believe in the existence of evil spirits, dark spirits, demons, whatever you want to call them, that this was one such case. Sticking with the theme of uh, sort of uh, time gaps, missing time, disappearances, maybe teleportation, 
there is the, the amazing story in the, you tell in the book of Yuri Geller, who I'm you know, very familiar with, uh, but this particular episode, again, I, I, I did not know, uh, on his way to visit someone, uh, or on his way to buy a pair of binoculars, I think, in New York City, and he ends up somewhere completely different. Could, could you share that with us? Yeah, that happened, and uh, in this case, uh, one of the witnesses was, was a uh, medical doctor, um, named Dr. Andrea Puharic, you're probably familiar with him, and um, Geller had been with some uh, had been with some friends, and at the time was living in the east side of, uh, of Manhattan, and he uh, he went out. Uh, he left his friends. He went out. He said he was going to before going home. He was going to stop at a souvenirs place, or not a souvenir place, but a place where they sell. Uh, uh, cameras and so forth, and buy a, a pair of binoculars. And uh, this he, he proceeded to do, but uh, then according to his testimony, um, he suddenly looked and it was like something had quickly picked him up and it looked like things were kind of blurring underneath him and the next instant uh, he knew he was crashing through kind of the Lanai uh, porch area of Dr. Puharich, about 30 miles um, north of New York City. And, and Dr. Puharich testified to the, <laughs> the screen damage and, and so forth. And, and his friends, uh, he called his friends immediately after it happened to tell them what had just occurred to them. And they, you know, they all testified to the fact that he had been at their place uh, very shortly beforehand uh, and had left certainly not in enough time for even a helicopter to have taken him up to Austin, New York. He seemed to have been what they call teleported. And um, this is something that has also been claimed uh, by certain other folks. Again, you know, this is for discernment. Very, very difficult to swallow, very difficult to believe, but so are a number of accounts in this book. Right. Well, you, you've met Yuri Geller. You interviewed him yourself. What, what do you make of this story? Well, I know what happened to me when I was with Geller. First of all, of course, as most people became convinced during the 70s and 80s that Uri Geller, you know, the spoonbender, the famous spoonbender, was a, a fraud. Right. He, set, was, he was set up by Johnny Carson and the amazing Randy. Right. And, and, uh, and I don't know, I have no idea if on occasion Geller resorted to ledger domain, to, to trickery. But I know that there are certain things he did, including in laboratory settings, no amazing Randy could do, no magician could do whatsoever. And, and uh, for instance, I knew a, a physicist at Kent State University who analyzed a ring that, that Geller had deformed and found... Uh, that there was no incipient melting, it was starting to melt the platinum in one spot, right next to a spot that was showing signs of incipient freezing as if at absolute zero, an effect that he said could not be replicated by lasers or any known technology, probably not even today. That was back in the 70s. However, when I went to see Geller, before I did, I conferred with Melbourne Christopher, who was a famous magician. He's a friend of the amazing Randy. And he was known as the, the foremost expert on occult magic, trickery. And so 
I asked him what I should do, and he said, I'll tell you one thing to do when you see Geller that cannot be explained and that no magician could do. And, I, and he said, it's very simple. And I said, well, what's that? He said, uh, Geller's going to tell you to draw something, and then he's going to close his eyes and he's going to draw it. He's just reading the top of your pen or, or sneaking a peek or whatever. He said, instead, say to Geller, look, if you can receive, you can send. Send me an image. So I went to see Geller, and 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 uh, we were sitting down talking, and at one point uh, I, I said, uh, he, he, he was going to demonstrate, and he told me exactly what uh, Melbourne Christopher said he would, and I said, well, what if you send it to me? He didn't hesitate. He said, okay. So uh, I took out a, a piece of paper, and I closed my eyes, and I immediately saw a, this Christmas tree with three ridges on each side, on one side disconnected from the trunk, and I, I drew it uh, and, and, and uh, put it under my, uh, under my leg. He, meanwhile, I, excuse me, I'm, I'm confused. He gave me what he had drawn, and I had put it under my leg. Right. Then I drew what I saw, and I took what was under my leg out, and they were identical, even down <laughs> to the disconnection between trunk and, and the main part of the, of the tree. This is something I saw. And lastly, at this, during the same meeting, this rock flew into the room and, and hit this very valuable wood antique chessboard he had. And right out of nowhere. I, I checked the whole apartment, no one hiding there, no way he could have thrown it, and certainly not with that force. So, yes, I believe that there are materializations and dematerializations around Uri Geller. Were you a Christian at this point? I know you were a journalist, but were you a practicing Christian at that point? No. Um, no. I did not go to church probably for a stretch from, you know, uh, high school through college and then for a good decade uh, after, uh, after college. Uh, and I, <clears throat> a lot of my secular journalism, um, and I used to write for publications like the New York Times Magazine and the Atlantic Monthly and books for time just for cops um, had nothing to do with the spiritual and I didn't know really what to think of a lot of this but uh, but I know what I experienced as a journalist and I know what I experienced around Geller and I and and I I know what I have found uh, investigating for this book and and how has it informed your spirituality uh, if at all well, I am Christian now, you know. I mean, I'm an active Christian. I was born and raised a Christian, but I'm, you know, like I said, I strayed, I strayed from it. Um, I believe now that many of these things, whether it's psychics, such as Uri Geller, um, whether it's UFOs and ephemeral-type phenomena, whether it's Yetis, abominable snowmen, lake monsters, all these different things. I believe witnesses in many cases do see what they say they saw. But I now uh, believe that in, in, in at least of the majority of cases, that what they're witnessing is really a is spiritual in nature and metadimensional, if you don't want to get into the word spiritual, from um, another dimension, not another planet, uh, and not uh, relics of, of long-ago times. 
I'm a, I'm a Christian as well, Orthodox Christian, and I, but I, and I talk about these things for a living and I'm conflicted by, by much of it, quite frankly. I don't know how it fits, you know, it has, I put it, try to put it through my faith filter and try and figure out, well, how does, how does that fit in the biblical narrative? Uh, so for ex- maybe you can give me a for instance about how some of this, what you call uh, spiritual invasion, how it fits into the narrative, the biblical narrative. What is going on? Oh, I think in, well, I think in the Book of Wisdom it even says that uh, when men uh, go into dark enough uh, times, that the Lord will create unearthly creatures. Um, I'll try to uh, find it as we speak. But so I, you know, I think that there's, uh, you know, I think that there's uh, even a biblical uh, reference to these, and it's certainly in the. Uh, Thessalonians, it's, it, it talks about lying wonders, which is why I call a book Lying Wonders, Strangest Things. It, it tells us to be careful. Jesus Christ in, in Matthew and in Luke, he said, he said that uh, it's, uh, there would be a time of uh, uh, a turmoil and there'd be all these wonders in the sky and, 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 uh, and deceptions. Uh, so, and of course, we know the famous passage from Scripture whereby Satan can can even come as an angel of light. Uh, he can come in any form he wants, and I believe him and, uh, if you will, his his minions are uh, are causing a massive uh, deception to try to lure people in, just like people are lured in by psychic phenomena, just as people are are uh, lured in by all these shows we see, ghost hunters and so forth on TV, as they're as they're lured in by um, by seances and psychics, uh, so uh, it's a it's a very dangerous time, um, and there is tremendous spiritual blindness, which is allowing this stuff to to mani- manifest even uh, even further. Let's talk about um, what is what seems to be a truly evil location that that seems to be permeating with evil, and that is the the notorious Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, and there's kind of a Canadian connection here because one of the more recent tragedies that took place uh, there was uh, Alyssa Lamb, this uh, young lady from Vancouver, British Columbia. Tell us about that. Yeah, and, yes, and just before that, I did find a passage from Wisdom, if I may read it, because yes. I think it's, it's powerful. And in, in Wisdom, it says, in return for their senseless, wicked thoughts, which misled them into worshiping dumb serpents. You sent upon them swarms of dumb creatures for vengeance, or new created, wrathful, unknown beast. I think that that kind of mm. sums up Mothman and werewolves, as as well as uh, yetis and and uh, and so forth. So, um, you know, as promised, that's that's uh, that's what. Scripture says. Well, and, and it's so all very prophetic, are, isn't it? It's prophetic. Uh, I think so. I think it may indicate uh, the very difficult uh, uh, times that, uh, that are upon us. Um, the Hotel Cecil, like so many places, um, just seems to attract, uh, or seem to at, at least, uh, attract evil. Um, there's no other way, I, I don't think, of of describing it. Um, what is it with this place in, in downtown Los Angeles? No longer named that, by the way, but you alluded to the case of that Elisa Lamb, 21 years old at the time, from Vancouver. 
And, um, you know, there was, she disappeared. And uh, they later found her dead in a water tank on the roof of the hotel, even though no one could figure out how she could possibly have climbed up there and killed herself in it. And hardly how anyone else could have killed her and put her there. But at any rate, it was very intriguing because um, there was a security video of her in an elevator just before she was disappeared, before she was killed or killed herself or whatever happened. And in it, she seems to be fending off kind of like an invisible attacker and, and hiding from a, an invisible attacker, I should say, before seeming to kind of fend, up, fend away its, its uh, presence. Um, and and uh, it even tied into some uh, movies, uh, one movie that had, uh, had been around years before. Um, but uh, at any rate, you know, there was one of the movies was called Dark Water, and and it had to do with a uh, with a woman by the same name, uh, actually, uh, as the hotel Cecilia, and it was a movie in which they find out about a corpse uh, that's dead in the water tower on the roof because the uh, those who are in the hotel start getting foul smelling black water. And in fact, with, uh, in the case of lamb, that's what happened. People complained to management that the water was smelling funny and had a dark odor, t uh, uh, dark coloration to it. And uh, later on, it was found out that, that her body, her corpse was, was in that water. And in uh, the Eliza Lamb case, she was found with a, wearing a red hoodie and in the movie, the victim also wearing a red hoodie. What is that all about? Is that predictive programming? You know, I, I don't know how we would place any kind of category on it. I, I think it's I think that artists, movie makers, whatever, uh, often subconsciously pick up future events. Um, they pick up, uh, uh, you know, who knows what site is coming from. But they seem to foretell things. We know how many movies, and, and, and going even before movies, how much science fiction going back to Jules Verne, predicted uh, the technologies of, of today. So uh, there are so many things that operate on this planet called Earth that we don't understand. It's one of the reasons in the book I quote J.B.S. Haldane, the, the uh, famous geneticist and philosopher, who said that the, the universe is not only stranger than we imagine, uh, but stranger than we can imagine. More of my conversation with Michael H. Brown when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Hey, have you heard about my Strange Planet Full Script Dispensary? It's an online service offering hundreds of professional supplement brands, personal care items, essential oils, even pet care products, and much more. Once again, I'm excited to introduce to you my new partner, Colleen Forgus, who manages the store, and she's a professional chef and holistic nutritional therapy consultant. Hey, Colleen, how are you? Wonderful, Richard. Hey, we're going to talk about bone health because, you know, with an aging population, so many people are faced with, so many people are faced with osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. What can we do for them? One of the, the things that people often think they need for good bone health is calcium. And today I'm going to shatter that myth. 
we get plenty of calcium in our diet. If you dropped a piece of chalk on the ground, it shatters. Too much calcium causes our bones to shatter when we don't have the other necessary cofactors to support good bone health. So rather than just taking more and more calcium supplements, I'd like to tell you about one that is something that people may not have heard of, but is critically important to strong bones. It is called vitamin K2. And the supplement that I recommend in our dispensary is called MK7 by Yarrow Formulas. And it is a great source of vitamin K2 and vitamin K1, which is good for both the bones and blood health, heart health. It's a, it's a great overall supplement. And that's available at the Strange Planet Full Script Dispensary. Full Script, nature grade, science made. Talk to you next week, Colleen. Thanks, Richard. Just visit strangeplanet.ca, click on the full script button and create your account today. We'll be providing you with health and nutrition tips, detailed supplement information, and special promotions for Strange Planet subscribers. You'll always receive a 10% discount on all orders and free shipping on orders over $50. Purchased through Richard Serrett's Strange Planet Full Script Dispensary. The statements made here and have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. If you have any concerns about your own health, you should always consult with a physician or healthcare professional. Theoretical physicists say that there is as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Michael H. Brown, the author of Lying Wonders, Strangest Things, is here. Before we get to the woman who, who predicted 9-11, uh, I, I wonder if you could share with us the story of the, uh, uh, the bishop who had, uh, uh, in Hungary, who had a correspondence with Archduke Franz Ferdinand uh, in, in a, I guess in a dream, going back to uh, 1914, because this is absolutely remarkable. Yeah, uh, uh, that, was a, that was a bishop, a prelate, known as uh, Joseph uh, uh, Lanyai. Uh, is that, I don't know how to pronounce, Lanyai or something. He was, he was from Hungary, as you mentioned, and... Um, he was uh, startled when, when during sleep one night he saw, had a vision of a letter from Archduke uh, uh, Franz Ferdinand and uh, in it uh, the Archduke was, was uh, telling him, uh, he said, I wish to let you know that today I will perish with my wife due to political assassination. Um, and it went on a little bit uh, a little bit from there, it was signed June 28, 1914, 3.30 a.m. in the morning, kind of a witching hour. And um, the, this bishop even saw a vision, a picture of the shooter. Later that day, he was informed that the archduke and his wife were indeed assassinated. And, of course, that was in Sarajevo, and it's the event that triggered World War One. So... Uh, very, very amazing, and there are, are plenty of other cases in which dreams seem to be precognitive, you know, to foresee future events. Right, uh, and then, of course, the, uh, the case of the woman uh, who had prescient dreams about 9-11. Tell us about that. Well, visions, actually. Her name is Maria Esperanza. I happen to know her very well, did a lot of research with her both in 
in her homeland, which was uh, Venezuela, Caracas, as well as when she would be in the United States. Uh, Maria Speranza is known as a mystic and a Christian mystic, a, in, in this case a Catholic uh, mystic. And she had told a group of pilgrims at one point in the 1990s that she saw these two tall towers in New York collapsing. And then she even became more specific and told them it was the World uh, Trade Center. And then we fast forward to, she described the fire falling and smoke and so forth. We fast forward to to uh, the year 2000, the end of the year 2000, in December. And she told me personally that, uh, that there were enemies on our soil and that they were going to create a major event, a major, that they were going to attack America in a very, very powerful and unusual way. Well, you know, at the time, we have a website called spiritdaily.com, and at the time, that was our headline when she told me that, because she's very reputable. Um, I went out there and put it on there, and then the following April, she again told me about this. You know, there are enemies on our soil, they're plotting, they're going to do something very nefarious. Then the following August, now we're in, of course, 2001, um, she had her people fax me and say, you know, Michael, the event that I have told you about is now about to occur. And three weeks later, we had uh, September 11th, the events of September 11th, with obviously the two towers collapsing and so forth. What was more amazing to me is that I happened to be, I was speaking out in Salt Lake, uh, Lake City when this occurred, and I got stranded out there as, as mm. you know, the whole infrastructure of this of travel in this country came to a standstill. And while I was out there, I called Maria's people, and she had a translator, of course. Um, and I asked, I said, Maria, who's behind this? Because at the time, no one was talking about Al Qaeda. That that was not something even known, ever mentioned on TV. People wondered if it was Hamas or Hezbollah, something like that, some terrorists like that. And I called her up and I said, who's behind us? And she said, a roaring lion. Uh, later on, my wife happened to be looking through a book of etymology and just, uh, I don't know what made her uh, look up the name Osama bin Laden and Osama means roaring lion. <laughs> so Remarkable. It was a very, very intriguing, incredible mystic. And even the church, which is very reluctant to acknowledge the supernatural, has declared uh, her place of miracles in uh, Caracas, outside of Caracas, to be sacred ground and legitimate. Are you as confounded as I am as to why the church is, are they embarrassed by it? Why don't they talk more about the supernatural? Well, they were swept up, you know, after the, after the uh, in, starting in the 1800s, after the French Revolution, they were swept up into the whole age of enlightenment, uh, quote, rationalism, unquote, you know, and the, we, the birth of major universities that declaimed anything supernatural, everything had to be a this-world explanation. Uh, they were swept up into the world of scientism, uh, which became a, a religion, science became a religion. 
And uh, I think afraid of being ridiculed if they believed in anything that was all of a sudden, quote, uh, superstitious, unquote. Even though for so many centuries, including the large majority of centuries since Christ established his church, um, the, the, the church did accept these supernatural events. All of a sudden, especially in the 1800s and, and then full throttle in the 1900s and to our current day, uh, they stopped teaching these things in seminary, even stopped teaching exorcism, that the devil didn't really exist. And so uh, that's one of the reasons, I think, why it finds itself in crisis right now, is stripping itself of this supernatural character that really was the nature of Christ. Tell me about the uh, what you describe as the precognitive handiwork of uh, a writer by the name of Ingersoll Lockwood who wrote in the late 19th century. Well, there, there's another case where, kind of like Jules Verne, you, you have somebody writing uh, fiction and, and hitting something right on. Uh, this was, like, you know, this, this was... Uh, back a, uh, in the late 1800s. And he wrote these books, um, you know, these books that had to do with, you know, with this, the travels of the, and adventures of little Baron Trump. And does the name Baron Trump mean anything to you? <laughs> yes. And, and also Baron Trump's marvelous underground um, journey that was written in 1893. Um, the Baron there wasn't a t- uh, was a title, not a first name, but I think we get at the point, and, and, and more remarkable, the fictional Trump um, was a rich kid in, in these novels, was a rich kid who was bored with his lavish lifestyle and fixated with foreign women, distracted by them, as, uh, as the word the author used, as well as the uh, as well as bragging about the size of his his brain, <laughs> and <laughs> sounds this is familiar. In a novel, I'm not making any commentary. And uh, in the book, he even sues a tutor for uh, <laughs> for learning more from him than he did from the tutor. Um, he travels to Russia in a life changing journey, during which he meets a quote master of masters unquote named Don, as in Donald. Mm. So. Uh, it's it's just very interesting, and nearly you know later on, um, Baron Trump had a very biting tongue. He had a personalized insult for everyone he met. He called this one person a little man lump, and another little man all head, flip flop, sir pendulum legs, and uh, and uh, later on, the same uh, author he wrote a book about uh, a revolution in which people were gathering in front of a place called Castle Trump on Fifth Avenue oh, my Lord. to protest to protest uh, against this president, uh, or against this person. This, uh, this, uh, and, uh, and then later on, he wrote a book called The Last President, in which you, know, you have socialism uh, triumphing after this attack on Trump's castle. So... Very, very intriguing. I mean, using name Trump. Right, right. And in the book, is is there not also a vice president named Pence? Yes. <laughs> Actually, it was a cabinet member. I ah. think, is if if, uh, if uh, memory serves uh, serves me correctly. But yes, there was a uh, 
there was another high-ranking official with the name Pence. So, I, again, I, it's, it's like there's something in the ether out there that certain, whether it's a mystic or whether it's a, a Christian uh, having a vision or a dream or whether it's a person penning a novel, um, they seem to pick something up um, and put it down, and every once in a while it, it turns out to be remarkably, remarkably accurate. Right. There's also a case, I'm not sure if it was The Outer Limits or The Twilight Zone, uh, who, a gentleman came into this town, in the, you know, it's, it's in the, uh, the sort of the Wild West, and uh, he's talking about building a wall around the city to protect them from invaders, and this stranger who comes to town, his name is Trump. And this is like the 19, maybe 1960, 1959. Do you remember that episode? Am I remembering that correctly? You know, I don't. It brings a bell to me, but I don't remember it. And I thought I'd seen every episode of the Twilight Zone because I actually sat down and watched them all one time. I mean, it, over the course of a while, weeks. But uh, I don't remember that. But it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't surprise me. It amazes me, but it doesn't surprise me if that makes any sense. Well, it it does, and that's. I mean, that's saying quite a lot, doesn't it? It does. I mean, what does does anything surprise you anymore at this point? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I I'm open to looking at a lot of things. Now, I, I try to be quote rational unquote to some degree. Um, I'm a, uh, for instance, right now everyone has been talking about what happened to this Epstein mm -hmm. in this whole yes in this whole matter, and and you know I'm not ready to jump into conspiracy theories. Um, uh, you know I'm I'm ready to look at all of the information as it comes. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a conspiracy, and I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. So, um, uh, so I try to be rational about things, but I have seen so many. Th so many items, and I document so many of them in this book that are, seem to be supernatural, that they're beyond our ability to uh, explain, and I guess I have come to the point where, and I'm, I'm sure there are things that could still surprise me, but um, I can't think of any offhand. You know, recently, there's been sort of a sea change in the way that the mainstream media covers the UFO phenomenon. Uh, it's no more sort of tongue-in-cheek, for the most part. They're taking it seriously. They're actually asking intelligent questions. And I guess this really started uh, back in December 2017 with that famous New York Times article revealing this secret Pentagon uh, program and studying UFOs. Do you, uh, you know, knowing that, that mainstream media like academia is basically populated with materialists, do you ever think, though, that that they will start to cover a lot of these oddities, strangest things, in a, in a more serious manner. Let's say, for example, the way they're starting to now with UFOs. I I don't know if they can because again, I think even with UFOs, even though they look like flying saucers, even though there's claims at places like Roswell that there have been crashes. There's, I just visited a place in Missouri where there was an alleged crash years before Roswell, and in some ways even more impressive. Um, so, you know, there's all these claims, and, and literally millions of reports over the last decades, and I do mean that literally, and yet uh, 
not one shred of publicly available evidence. Um, nothing that has withstood scrutiny of a microscope um, or a telescope, for that matter. And you know, it's it, again, it's like Bigfoot. It's like these lake monsters and all of these creatures. You can't, you can't come up with that final photo, that final, you know, uh, smoking gun, if you will, in 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 any of these cases. So, I I think that they will can. Uh, cover it more now because there's just so many reports more now because like you said the New York Times report really seemed to blow things open um, but I don't think they'll ever come come up with a an answer and and I think we'll be going around in circles until we approach it from a spiritual standpoint well that's just it right because everyone's looking for physical evidence and we're talking about a non-physical phenomenon yeah, you're trying to capture a will-o'-the-wisp. You know, you're, we're a wraith, a ghost. I, you know, um, just <laughs> we're we're never going to be able to prove something that is is spiritual in nature. Um, that's the way our existence was fashioned by the Lord, because He wants faith, and that operates. Uh, in the spiritual uh, realm, so there's there's a partition, but uh, it certainly bleeds through at times, and um, there are supernatural, certainly good supernatural wonders, and there's also lying wonders that come from the other side and are mimicked by, uh, by the devil, like he mimics anything of God. Uh, so no, no, I don't know where it's going to the UFO thing is going to go. I will tell you this, and. This will sound conspiratorial, but I have to wonder if, because the, uh, there's all these alien abductions and all of these messages from, from, uh, from supposed greys, you know, various right. types of aliens. There's all kinds of aliens, by the way, even ones that look like insects, which, you know, is pretty suspect to me. Uh, and, and also there are times when Bigfoot is spotted in conjunction with a UFO or yes. in the same place as a UFO. So, uh, but anyway, that's why I think it's kind of the same spiritual uh, trickery going on. But I, 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 I'm a little concerned that it'll get to the point where if these are de- indeed deceiving spirits, that they will deceive uh, kind into believing that, hey, we're aliens and we're coming down and you have to listen to us and you have to form a one-world uh, government, get rid of uh, organized religion, all these things, and pave the way for kind of a, a, an anti... at least some type of nefarious person, a, a, a person of tremendous deception. I, I know that sounds off the wall, but... Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a potential danger with with these things, uh, along with just simply roping people into an occult realm. Yes. Because I believe that most most UFOs are occult in nature. I would agree with that, Michael. How do we get a copy of Lying Wonders, Strangest Things? Well, right now the best way is through a website I operate called spiritdaily.com. That's spiritdaily.com, like a daily spiritual newspaper. Um, it's it's on Kindle right now. It'll be available shortly in Amazon paperback. 
But uh, right now, SpiritDaily.com, and it'll always be less expensive than Amazon. You won't believe the problems that we've had with Amazon with this book. But uh, at any rate, um, that's the availability right at, at the current time. Fantastic. Michael, I've enjoyed speaking with you immensely. I hope we can do it again sometime. Uh, I have also. Thank you for your very informed interview. Okay, before I say goodnight to the moon over Messonia, I'll be back to tell you a little bit about what's in store on the next installment of Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, if you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you're going to want to check out my brand new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet Shop. There's an exclusive line of men and women's classic tees with a very cool design. It's a limited run and a limited time offer, a special price of $21 US. That lasts only until August the 19th. There are also mugs, tote bags, and stickers. Go to strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and find the Strange Planet Shop button at the bottom of the page. The Strange Planet Shop at strangeplanet.ca. It's a strange planet. Wear the shirt. Take the journey. Next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, The Moth and the Iron Lung, The Real History of Polio. Sock's vaccine basically came out in 1954, 55. It was an injected vaccine, went into the bloodstream, and it worked horribly. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of stories about contamination in the vaccine that killed people. They had to withdraw it. Um, it took years before people trusted it again. And in fact, most doctors and scientists at the time, they didn't like it themselves. They didn't like salt and they didn't like the vaccine. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. Kalinichta. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.